0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, connecting business perspectives with your hosts, myself, Colton Cockrell, and Tricia Stetzel. Our goal is to bridge the generational, gender, and life experience gap in business through our unique styles of gathering information from our guests. Now let's get it started. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Wednesday. My name is Colton Cockrell, certified financial planner and independent financial I'm sorry, Certified Financial Fiduciary and Independent Financial Planner with Cher McKinley Group. Uh, And we're going to have a good show today. I'm really looking forward to it. But before we jump into the show and introducing our guests, I have to introduce my wonderful co-host, the lovely Tricia Stetzel.
1: Thank you, Colton. You know, you forgot who you were. You weren't going to introduce me. This is just a normal show, right? as always. Hey everyone, Trisha Stutzel here, Results Extreme Business Solutions, and I am super excited about the guest that we have on today. He is a friend of both Colton and I. We were having a little bit of banter before the show about the last time we actually saw each other in person and attended events together. But my friend, Tony Foster, who is a Breaker Box Energy Sales Executive, is on the show with us today. Tony is an engineering professional with more than eight years of industry experience. His professional capabilities include mechanical and electrical controls engineering. He has a strong business and customer service sense that shows through his excellent service. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Trisha.
0: And Colton, how are you guys doing? Man, doing good, Tony. So we have a genius on our podcast today. Uh, Tony, we're talking about electricity, and I think the first thing that comes to mind for everybody is um, back in, what was it, March, the big freeze that came through and how just all the electricity couldn't keep, I mean, it, it, was, it was a mess, right? Uh, so I think a lot of people, as we get close to winter, um, and excuse me for jumping in with just like a, <laughs> just hard question off the top. Uh, are, are, has any changes been made? Are we prepared for another potential freeze? Uh, if it does happen next year?
2: Yeah, so, you know, what happened in February, it's like a a once-in-a-lifetime storm. You know, uh, temperatures should never really get that low in Houston or in Texas. And uh, pretty much to go ahead and protect ourselves from that, the utilities have to winterize their equipment, you know. And I know they've taken some steps in doing that, Um, but I believe this year we should be, more prepared, you know, if temperatures do get that low, we will be more prepared to deal with it. And uh, because it kind of caught Centerpoint and the various TDUs which stands for transmission and distribution utilities off guard, you know. So Centerpoint, they're in control of Eastern and kind of Central Texas. Uh, Encore, they're the transmission distribution utility in in Dallas. And then you have AEP Central, AEP North that kind of does uh, some of the western side of Texas. And then you have uh, Texas, New Mexico, Latin Power that does uh, the Galveston area and, you know, below below Houston. Uh, AEP Central also does, let's say, uh, Corpus Christi, etc. And then there are also some places in, in Texas that aren't deregulated, like uh, San Antonio and Austin. And the, the thing about the Texas electricity grid is that it is independent. It's not connected to any other states. You know, so if this were to happen to in, in other states of north, um, you know, if anything happened to their grid and it went down, they would be able to, they would be able to pull power from adjoining and adjacent states, but not with Texas. You know, the government agreed to to do something um, over here in Texas, where we are totally, you know, isolated and cut off because we 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 have oil. You know, we're we're the big the big bad. Tony, so, Tony just
0: say it. We're better than
2: everyone. I get right. it. <laughs> <laughs> we our power. We don't need anyone else, <laughs> you know. And so when that happened, it, you know, the generation plants couldn't generate power because they couldn't get uh, the pressure of the natural gas in the pipes to a certain um, level that to make the uh, the uh, natural gas generators produce energy. And then the wellheads froze, and also like the windmills, even the windmills froze up. You know, they they couldn't um, rotate as usual, and so. Yeah, they're just a bit unprepared for it. And basically when that happens, Center Point has to start shutting the grid down to protect the, the grid. Because if people are trying to pull power from the grid that's not there, it can cause damage, it can cause fires, and uh, it it's just been hazardous. So, you know, that's why uh, people, you know, lost power. And then when you lose power when it's cold, there's nothing to warm the house, right? Unless you have a, a gas furnace or, you know, you're burning wood and so on. Um, you know that's why it was a little bit difficult for a couple of days but I think we'll be more prepared this year for it to have again so
1: really so Tony you, you- Oh, sorry. Colton, Tony, you really shed some light. Like I've heard a lot of people talk about this freeze from last year, but you shed some light. It Like the, the light bulb went on in my brain. I know, Colton, don't make fun of me. Mm-hmm. That we're not connected to any other grid, right? And that was one of the reasons why we had so much trouble back in February. Um, I'm really curious about the aftermath. I know there are a lot of um, misnomers maybe about bills and people having like these $16,000 Um, electricity bills that came after the storm. Like, what was that all about?
2: Okay, so what happened, uh, those people were were on what's called indexed rate plans, and those plans are really great up front because they come with a a low energy rate, but they don't protect you from pass-through charges, which will come from the transmission and distribution utility, TDU, for example, Centerpoint or Encore or Texas, New Mexico, when the price to distribute power to you goes up, which happened in the case uh, during the winter storm, the price went up to $9,000 per megawatt. So they were willing to pay the generators $9,000 per megawatt as an incentive to generate power because the demand was greater than the supply. So the one way to fill the supply, if your demand is higher, is to increase the price that you're willing to pay generators. So they're willing to pay anyone who generates generate power um, money to put energy into the grid. And so $9,000 per megawatt is equivalent to $9 per kilowatt. So if you look at some of your, your contracts at home, you're probably at $0.09. Cents. Uh, so going from $0.09 cents to $9, a 100% increase. Right? <laughs> um, and so that's what some people were paying for a week, $9 per kilowatt. And they they weren't protected from those pass-through charges that certain point and on uncle will pass through to you because they're on these index rate plans, um, which are really good unless there's a, like a, an event where the the pass-through charges are just so you know so high, and insurmountable that the utility company can't your supplier can't protect you from them if you're if you're on one of these index rate plans. Um, you know the case with a couple other people who are on like fixed rate contracts. Their plans stayed at seven or eight cents per kilowatt because they're willing to pay a little bit more. Maybe they paid maybe twelve cents per kilowatt, right? But when so when the price went up to nine dollars per kilowatt, the the supplier absorbed that cost. So the supplier lost money, and for the people who for the suppliers who didn't pass the charge through to the customer. So you know, with uh, some companies, for example, like Gritty, um, they, they had great plans, great rates. They were saving you money, but if the event happens and you're on one of those index rate plans, um, you're going to get hit with the pass-through charges of $9 per kilowatt. And uh, that's what calls the bill to be you know, a 1000 or $2,000. That's why I advise people against index rate plans. It might look good up front, but it doesn't protect you in, in those cases.
0: So then what, what kind of plan should someone get on
2: if not index? So you want to get a fixed rate contract where the contract price Stays the same regardless of weather, temperature, regardless of whatever scenario. Um, you want to make sure you ask your provider that is this an index rate plan? Now, the, the rate on the fixed rate plans is going to be a little bit higher. For example, the index rate plan might come in at seven cents per kilowatt, where the fixed rate plan will come in at nine cents per kilowatt because the supplier has to hedge pricing to protect themselves as well you know they can't use the lowest rate because they know that they're going to be on the hook to pay for power if um the price of energy goes way above what they bought it for you know so when they were selling it to power they're probably buying energy for four cents per kilowatt and selling it to you for seven cents per kilowatt then it, it went from four cents per kilowatt to nine dollars per kilowatt you know, and, and so um, that's why they kind of hedge the price on the fixed rate contracts to be a little bit higher than what they bought it for. So they can they have some cushion for when something like this happens. And
0: yeah. well, I guess I guess that kind of leads into my next question. That That is very interesting and detailed. Um, for sure. So, so what can people do, whether it's commercial or residential? What can they do to to lower their bill? So, I mean, regardless if a freeze comes again or not, how can you reduce the cost? Um, again, if you're on a
2: fixed plan, what can you do to make your bill lower? Got it. So, uh, on the commercial side, um, it's a little bit different from residential because commercial meters sometimes some are three phase and some are single phase and. Uh, There's a lot more power that the distribution, transmission, distribution utility, for example, CenterPoint has to deliver to your line outside the building. So if you use, let's say your demand is uh, a thousand kilowatts, they have to keep a thousand kilowatts on your line outside the building. So if you're to flip the switch, you could have power. And so it costs them money to maintain that much um, energy on the line because you know there are losses in distribution. And so, what I would advise a commercial person to do is when they come in to turn their equipment on in the mornings, they stagger it every 15 minutes or every 20 minutes. They don't hit the line at that one point with, with all the demand that the building needs at one at one time. And that would get their peak demand to go down, and then that would get their the the amount that they're billed from the TDU. To go down, and that that would lower the bill because that's what they can control. Pretty much, their rate is set. Um, they they can control how much their their peak demand is, you know, and also um, setting your one of the major energy drivers, both commercial and residential, is your AC unit, your central air unit. So setting it to you know an acceptable comfort range for you. And, you know, try not to get outside that range, maybe somewhere in the region of 75 to 78 degrees, you know, uh, that would definitely help, you know, keep your bill uh, steady, uh, especially going into the summers where, you know, your bill kind of goes up a little bit uh, because of the, the central air. So um, I think, yeah, that would resonate more with my with my uh, residential customers. It's uh, – definitely trying to keep your your thermostat between that that range for the summer.
0: So you just got to tell all those people who are
2: uh, they love their 68
0: 70 degrees at night and tell them uh uh-uh.
2: yeah no not, not during the summer at least you know when it's cooler yeah you can you can turn it down that low cuz the AC's not working that hard. But um yeah during the summer try to keep it you know a, a little bit higher to uh to offset the cost because the uh um, the, um, the poll just like the uh the amperage that some of these uh, units run on it is really high, and when it pulls that much power, um, you'll be surprised. In especially when you're running during peak times, so there are times during the day when the cost to distribute power to you is higher than other times. So I would say even during the day, which is peak times, you should definitely try to control your your uh, thermostat and your central air unit to about between 75 and 78. Now during off-peak times in the night. Yeah, you might be able to turn it down to you know like a cool 72, 73. But um definitely during those those peak times, try to try not to try not to do any like washing, using the dryer, any of that stuff. Like and it's usually around between let's say nine to three p.m. in the day when you know everyone's up and, and using a lot of power. It's usually peak delivery time. And there's a uh it's actually Something you can subscribe to, which is demand response, that will tell you when these peak times are, because ERCOT uh, calculates this for you in their 4CP program that you can sign up for as a commercial customer, and you can know when these peak demand times are, so you can, you know, try to minimize your grid usage. For example, you know, Buckys the um, gas station, they use natural gas generators during this time. They'll shut their energy off from the grid and they fire up their natural gas generators and that's how they're able to offset the price of electricity. That's interesting. I never heard uh, that anymore.
1: That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. So Tony, um I know we're having a really technical conversation here and I'm just going to bring it back just a little cuz I like to, you know, bring it down to my level. <laughs> Colton, before you make fun of me. Um you talked about the suppliers at the beginning and i think as consumers right as individuals as residential consumers we don't always understand the difference between who we're paying our bill to uh you know that bill shows up in the mailbox and i need to pay them x number and who is actually supplying the energy. So, a lot of those companies went out of business, as I understand, uh, because of the freeze last year, but I know that there are still some out there. So, can you give us just a little insight into the people who are sending us the bill um, and the difference between them and the people who are actually supplying the energy?
2: Sure, sure. I'll be mean, great. So, you have a number of suppliers in the market. In 2002, Texas became deregulated, right? And that allowed uh, people into the market space as suppliers that um, supply you energy. Pretty much what they're doing is they're providing you your bill and they're simply buying energy on the market and selling it back to you. Uh, they don't control the energy getting to your house, right? So they supply, there are two categories, there's suppliers and TDU's. Your suppliers, for example, are TXU, Reliance, Constellation, JEXA, all the various electricity companies that you see on your bill. Those are your suppliers. It used to be uh, Houston Light and Power, but when the deregulation happened in 2002, uh, all these companies came in and kind of bought customers from Houston Light and Power, and the major one was Reliance in Houston. TXU did the same thing in DAS with Encore, right? And so they separated the business to say, okay, the suppliers are going to take care of the customer service side, which is your bill and talking to the customers. And then the TDUs are going to take care of just maintaining the grid and getting power to you. So if you know that you've paid your bill and everything is good, but you you know, you find out one day you flip the switch and there's no power, you don't have electricity. There might be a transformer that blew or a tree that fell on a line down the street. And the first thing you want to do is call the person that sends you a bill, right? Now, no, the first thing you should do is call your TDU transmission and distribution utility, which could be Center Point um, in the Houston area or Texas, New Mexico, in uh, Galveston, Texas City area, or Encore in Dallas, or uh, AEP Central in Corpus Christi, or you know AEP North in the like El Paso area, a little bit below El Paso, the western side of Texas, and some of the central side of Texas. Um, and so those are your transmission and distribution utilities, and those are the ones responsible for getting power to you. And they, those guys will never send you a bill, right? What those guys do is they pass their charge through to send the power along the line to your house, they send that to your supplier. See, this is how much we are gonna build Colton four cents per kilowatt to get electricity to his house for every kilowatt that he uses. And they send that to TXU or Reliance, who then has that on their bill. They have no control over that part of your bill. You know, so a lot of people complain about. Oh, my bill split in two. There's a charge here from Centerpoint, my TDU, and then there's a charge from uh, TXU Reliant, right? TXU and Reliant then adds on their, how much they purchase energy for on the market, which might be about, you might buy energy for about 4 cents or 5 cents per kilowatt, but you're in contract with them for 7 cents per kilowatt, right? So you have two parts. So they say they're going to bill you. You had a contract with them. Or seven cents per kilowatt plus the four cents per kilowatt that you're paying uh center point to deliver energy to you and so that's what makes up those two parts of your bill and you kind of combine those together to get around an average price of around 12 cents per kilowatt right and so that's why people in the on the residential side you know you do uh, average price per kilowatt for two thousand kilowatts that's what they say electricity you on residential. So if you're going to use 2,000 kilowatts, this would be average price. On commercial, because commercial uses way more than 2,000, some you know some uh, commercial areas, we don't use the average price. Um, we go off energy rates. And so they kind of ignore the, the TDU part of the bill because they have no control over that. They simply pass that charge through, through to you and pretty much sell you on okay, the commercial rate that you're agreeing on is 4, 4.5 cents or 5 cents per kilowatt or 6 cents. So I hope I kind of simplified it to you that, you know, when, when I ask someone, hey, who's your energy provider? And they tell me, oh, it's CenterPoint. And well, CenterPoint kind of sends electricity to everyone in Houston, right? You kind of want to try to remember who is on your electricity bill. Cause CenterPoint is on your gas bill, right? They do send you gas, but for your electricity, your provider would be the the supplier who you sign a contract with to to send power to you, right? So whether it be TXU Reliant Constellation, that's the supplier. And your transmission and distribution utility, if something were to go wrong and you know you've paid your bill, so you know your lights aren't cut off, then you call CenterPoint or, or Texas, New Mexico. But if you didn't pay your bill, then yeah, you should call your supplier. They probably turn your
1: light on. You know what I oh. learned today, Tony? Here's what I learned today: if you have a question about energy, call Tony. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I learned.
0: I think people are going to listen to the podcast and re-listen to it a couple times just to make sure they fully understand. All right, t- Tony. Great information. But now I got to ask you the totally random, off-the-wall question. You had no idea it was coming. All right, so okay. go, just follow me here. Okay. I'm hungry, so okay. it's food-related. It has to be. Tony, <laughs> if you were to make a sandwich right now, uh, what would you put
2: on that sandwich, if you can put anything on it? Okay, on a sandwich? Um, I would definitely put H. Havarti cheese. It's my favorite cheese. Uh, ham, bacon, lettuce, tomatoes, and... Uh, Polynesian socks from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so
1: specific.
0: <laughs> the Tony Foster special
1: right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. So Tony, for our listeners, would you please provide your contact information and how folks can find you if they do have some follow-up questions on the information you provided for us today?
2: Of course. So, you know, you can email me at Tony at breakerbox dot com. That's B R E A K E R B O X breakaboxcom dot Oh and Tony's T O N Y at a Box. Or oh, my phone number is seven one three four nine two four nine eight two. Um, give me a call. I love to, to chat with you and take care of all your all your energy needs, explain anything that needs clarifying, you know, and uh Yeah, just love to help and uh, see how I can add value, you know, because that's the major thing I want to do is to add value and kind of prepare people, especially on the commercial side for the volatility on the market so they aren't surprised by higher uh, energy prices and injuries.
0: And Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, you help people read their electricity bill and understand
2: it, correct? Yeah, read and understand it, and sign better contracts, um, you know, help them lower their bill. I even help them with if it's a new uh, customer building a, a new building, um, send them to the right place in the city to get their permits, uh, if they need electricity permits, building permits, occupancy permits, um, to get their electricity started.
0: So all things electricity, Tony Foster.
2: Yes,
1: I love it, Tony. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is an awesome discussion.
2: Oh, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It
1: was a pleasure. Absolutely.
2: One more
0: more thought-provoking question.
2: Okay. If Texas is independent
0: of Electra State, have their own grid, own everything, Mm -hmm. why in the world is there a supplier called
2: Texas, New Mexico? (laughs) That's that's true. I wasn't here when they were coming up with a name. (laughs) This is one of the CPUs that they came up with. Uh, Texas New the Light and Power. Um you know, Encore, Center Point and A that we got. Sorry, Look, Colton, gonna... Tony was yeah. not in
1: charge of that. <laughs> Tony was not in charge of that. I Tony, love it. Ahead. Well and I oh I was g I I was just gonna say colton you know like bridging the gap here i think electricity really bridges all gaps right we all use it um and having somebody like tony as a friend to help you through right all of the technicalities behind it i think is really important so whether you're young or old male female went to school or didn't right tony's your guy Yep, yeah.
0: it's always nice to have a, a gen xer on your side right
2: right and i'm happy to help
1: and explain anything yeah absolutely all right awesome colton you wrapping us up
0: oh my goodness put me on the spot Uh, all right and ladies and gentlemen this concludes another exciting episode of bridge the gap where connecting business perspectives we will see you next week thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of bridge the gap connecting business perspectives if there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Colton Cocker with Sharon McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas 77546 phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc. Member Finner Civic. McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.